Hello, this is Harrison Kim, and you're listening to Working with People by PaveSec. The Working with People podcast is for executives, managers, and people leaders. We bring people experts together to provide you with relevant content on how to think about and manage your most important asset, your talent. We have Vandy here with us today. How are you, Vandy? Great. How are you doing? I am great. Uh, where are you calling in from? I am calling in from my home office in Westboro, Massachusetts. Awesome. Today we're going to be talking about company culture. And this is something that is a very hot topic in and around our partners, our clients, and my circles. Uh, Culture, I think, is one of those things that are hard to define clearly for some of us, but most of us know it when they see it, especially when it's a good one or a bad one. So before we get there, though, tell us who you are and what you do. My name is Vandy Dunsmore, and I'm the Chief Human Resources Officer for a community-based behavioral health organization. I have, I like to say, over 20 years of experience. That number expands, so now I just say (laughs) over 20 years of experience in for-profit and non-profit organizations in a variety of industries. So I've seen culture manifest in a variety of different ways. I grew up in HR through the HR business partner role. So I always have an HR business partner lens to things, looking at things holistically. So not just through compensation, not just through recruiting, not just through benefits. All of those things touch culture. So it has been really useful to me and my work with culture. So in my role, I'm really translating the people strategy for the business. So in addition to mentoring and coaching, I personally love the culture work and the employee experience work and really taking a look at the whole employee experience, starting with the very first touch point of the perhaps online application all the way through when someone leaves the organization. Cool. Awesome. So let's start with company culture. And as I mentioned, I think some people have a hard time defining what culture is. How do you define it? And why is it so important? As you mentioned, it is really difficult to define. There are a million definitions out there. I have a few favorites. One is what we say, what we see, what we believe. Mm. And another is it's the sum of all behaviors in an organization. Those are the, the two shortest and clearest definitions that I've been able to find that I like. It's really the the values by which the organization operate. And it's important to note that it's lived actual values, not aspirational values, not the things that you put in your brochures and on the wall and never look at again. The things that you actually really care about and those values then translate into behaviors. And before I get into why it's so important, I just want to to mention for anyone who's, who's listening and is having this thought, shared values of an organization doesn't mean that everyone has to think and act alike. This isn't quote unquote cultural fit, which is code Mm. for everybody has to act and be the same. It's really about the values and how those get translated into the behaviors that you want to see. Why I think it's important is culture provides a sense of vision and, and purpose and maybe even inspiration. As the head of the people organization, I truly believe that people don't wake up in the morning and come to work and say, how am I going to do a really bad job today? How many people (laughs) can I make angry today? Culture 
to me, guides the desired behaviors and gives employees a framework. It influences all aspects of the business. When you have a strong company culture, business performance tends to follow. You have higher engagement, you have better retention, you have brand recognition, all of those things. Yeah, so that absolutely makes sense. And when you talk about values and behaviors, a lot of people think about values as this thing where it's like, 10 words, 10 things, and nobody knows what they mean. I often see people first, but what does that actually mean? And whereas companies that do this well have that people first value, but below that define the specific behaviors that actually enforces or demonstrates that value. Um, so that's, I think the behavior part is very important. Right. I 100% agree. And I, I think we connected through my LinkedIn post on the topic of culture and I had a, a colleague who was interviewing for a head of HR role and all over the job spec, it was this person is going to be responsible for building programs and initiatives around the values. And this person must demonstrate the values and be a steward of the values. And my yeah. colleague looked all over the website, all over the job spec for what the values actually were, couldn't find them, asked everyone he interviewed with and no one knew what they were. <laughs> then what's that culture like if you can't even define what's important to you? Right, exactly. So what factors shape an organization's culture? So first, I think an organization's culture is very unique to the industry. It can be unique to the geography, the mm. leadership, the company itself. So there are so many things that shape a culture. Right. And it all comes back to what that organization values. So some examples could be the degree of hierarchy. How closely do you follow that? The degree of risk taking. Is that encouraged or discouraged? Are people punished for mistakes? Um, how is conflict resolution handled? Is it formal, informal? That type of thing. It can be described as fun, flexible, innovative, there's a lot of different words, and they're not necessarily good or bad, right or wrong. And a great culture in one organization may not translate into another. And while there are certainly toxic cultures, and I don't want to say that there's not a bad culture per se, there are certainly toxic cultures. There's no one definition of an ideal one either. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I, I really like that, actually, just. To kind of interrupt for a second there, when you said about, you know, whether the certain cultures are right or wrong, obviously, like you said, there are toxic cultures that are more in the wrong there, but I'm of the exact same mind where what may work for one organization may not work for the other, just because one seems like it's quote unquote better, where if we get Fridays off or whatever it is, it doesn't mean necessarily that it's actually a better fit for that company or that organization. Uh, I Correct. love the fact that you've you've outlaid that because I think a lot of people think there's there's definitely a right thing to do and there's the wrong thing to do. But I think in per personally anyway, in most cases, it's just whatever works. <laughs> the extreme example I always give is the one of independent thinking. So do you encourage mm -hmm. independent thinking and, and creativity and self-motivation, that type of thing? All of those sound great, and you would say, well, of course we do, but if you are in the Army 
that's probably not a great thing. So you don't want all of the troops going off doing their own thing. That's a very hierarchical type of organization where the hierarchy is, is valued where in a tech startup that might look and feel different. So it's just really important to note that what works for one might not work for another. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I interrupted you. What were you going to say? No, that's okay. I was just going to give the example of my company. Although I work in healthcare, we're private equity held. You think about healthcare, you don't always think about the financials, but we think of them all the time. Everything ties back to the financials. We're not shy about that. And we talk about that a lot for some of our clinicians who are coming into a for-profit private equity situation. That's pretty jarring from a cultural perspective (laughs) because they're therapists and they want to take care of their clients. That's not to say we don't value clinical outcomes and we don't value the, the clinical aspects of the role, but we also tie everything back to productivity and and other financial measures because that's important to us. Our compensation structures have that lens. Our benefits right. have that lens. Succession planning. For example, when I designed a recruiting incentive program, one of the things that I made sure that we did is have a gate for the team goal before the individual bonuses kicked in. Because if we're not making our overall number, that's Mm -hmm. problematic for the company. The team itself had to make the number before the individuals could be rewarded. So that's an example of how that can play out. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. On the point on culture, so we've talked about like the factors, the definition. Now, who's responsible for creating as well as managing the culture? For me, and I think for a lot of people (laughs) and a lot of organizations, culture has to start at the top. Mm -hmm. Company leadership is responsible starting with the CEO. I got a lot of responses on my LinkedIn post to that point where there were some people who really felt that HR had a huge role in that. And I'm not saying that HR does not have a role in shaping the culture and working with the CEO and leadership. In fact, I felt like it was implied that HR fell into that quote-unquote leadership word that I was using, but it really does start with the CEO because if company leadership hasn't defined what is important to the organization, then how how are the employees supposed to know what behaviors are going to be rewarded or not? Right. And you mentioned this earlier when you said, you know, when a company has a strong culture, you can really feel it, you can see it being demonstrated, The CEO and leadership team need to be able to clearly articulate the culture, what it looks like, what it feels like, the behaviors, and then all of the functional leaders translate that for their respective areas, and it would be ideally with input from their team members as well, because everyone plays a part, but at the end of the day, leaders have an enormous influence on culture, the decisions they make regarding recruiting and performance and engagement that then in turn impacts company performance. Right. There's a significant component on role modeling as well, where you see the CEO doing something, but saying another, that usually doesn't help very much in terms of enforcing the right behaviors. 
Absolutely. I worked in a retirement community many years ago where the CEO stood up and said, housekeeping is not responsible for keeping these buildings clean. And you could see the confusion on everyone's face. What he said, and it just has stuck with me to this day, is we all have pride in these buildings. These are our residents' homes. We all work for the residents. If you're walking through a hallway and you see a piece of trash on the floor, you pick it up and I don't care who you are. And I saw him do that on multiple occasions. And it was very powerful to see the CEO walk through and pick up trash that was on the floor. Right. And then everyone did that. And so that's that's just a great example of leadership by example. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So my next question is going to be a bit of a weird one because I, you know, the question I wrote down was what are the best practices in building a quote unquote positive company culture? But as we briefly talked about, what is a positive culture? Maybe that doesn't really exist in one or few definitions, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. (laughs) So in your mind, however you define positive company culture, what are some of the best practices in building, you know, building that culture? So you took the words right out of my mouth. What I was going to say (laughs) was instead of positive, I would swap that with the word deliberate because, again, positive can be very subjective. I think building a deliberate culture is really what we're getting at here, because if you don't deliberately build a culture, Mm -hmm. you still have one. It just might not be working for you. Right. Because it's so organization specific, it's hard to define positive. But in terms of building a deliberate culture, I think creating the culture you want, just know that it will take intentional effort from leadership, starting with the CEO. And that's so important. It can't be something that's tacked on to an existing leadership meeting for 15 minutes, et cetera. <laughs> yeah. Like this is, this is a big deal. It's an intentional effort. And this is where for those HR people listening, this is where HR really adds value. Partnering with the CEO, partnering with the leadership teams, helping form what that culture should be and what that looks like, how to translate that into values to then translate that into behaviors. The other thing that I think is important is making sure that all decisions tie back to the culture. Values and behavior should be referenced Mm -hmm. in all decision-making, not just when it's convenient or public. You heard a lot of backlash about companies who went out with Black Lives Matter statements who had never done anything about diversity initiatives before put out that Black Lives Matter statement and then went silent again. That's not a true value. And if it is, they're not demonstrating it. That's one example. Another example, a culture of safety. So what are the trade-offs to that? So I worked for a telecommunications company and they implemented a customer service guarantee where if you called up with a problem, a technician would be at your home in a two-hour specific window. Well, when I was doing ride-alongs with these techs, I saw technicians do terrible things in terms of safety, and we claimed Mm. that we had this big culture of safety. But I saw a technician, for example, put a ladder on a patch of ice and climb a telephone pole. 
And when I said, why aren't you going back to your truck and getting the sand and putting the sand under your ladder? He just looked at me and he said, I get bonus based on how often I'm on time. And for me, that's not worth going back and getting the sand. And it just, it was really interesting how safety and customer service, both values at the same company, then became in direct opposition to each other in that example. So it's really important to not only define them, but then to make sure that you really understand how they're playing out in your organization. Right. It's an iterative process, right? Because there are unforeseen consequences like the one you just talked about. Yes, exactly. I think making sure that policies and practices align with the culture and just, again, be clear, lead by example, which we talked about, and just talk about it all the time. It's not a one and done. It's not a post on the wall and forget about it. It, It's really living those values and and really understanding the behaviors that correlate with them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, my last question for you is something that is top of mind for me as well, which is what are some signs that the culture may be eroding? What are some of the things that especially the leadership team as well as the managers should be on the lookout for? So we can depend on the organization, but I would say an increase in employee turnover, especially your high performers. If you suddenly start seeing all of your high performers, mm-hmm. that should be a huge red flag, a decrease in employee referrals. I worked for one organization where about 80% of our hires came from employee referrals. And then all of a sudden it started to decrease. <laughs> right. And when you paid attention to it, we realized that our employees were incredibly unhappy. And it turned out that we had lost our way a little bit in terms of our culture. An increase in gossip and rumors I am a drama-free person. I'm not, I don't thrive on drama. My husband may tell you differently, but at work, I don't thrive on drama. And when the gossip and the rumor mills start to interfere with relationships and work getting done, that can be a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, Confusion or lack of communication, which to me is an indication that that information isn't getting clearly cascaded down. Right. Low employee morale is another one indicated by, you know, performance, absenteeism, negative social media posts are a big one. Everyone should be moderating, <laughs> monitoring yep. all of their social media all the time. And I know that you tend to post when you either have a super positive or super negative experience, but that's why it's important to understand what your baseline is. And then when that starts to change, that that's a huge signal, both internally and externally. Right. Well, those are super helpful and super tactical advice. Those are all the questions that I had. Anything I missed? Anything you want to highlight? The only thing that I would want to point out is there are some things that you can do to change your culture or modify it. I guess if you just want to shift it a little bit. I think having the CEO and the leadership team, again, constantly communicate the the values and the behaviors, what they're seeing, and either positive reinforcement or really explaining why it's problematic. Employees who don't get feedback don't know that they need to change their behaviors. So it's really important to talk about what they want to see instead 
if that's happening. Make sure that the values are embedded in all phases. So interviewing and onboarding. The employee shouldn't hear about what your values are on their first day and then never hear about it again. They should start hearing about it with the first touch point with the company all the way through. And then we talked about this a little bit, Harrison, holding people accountable. And Mm -hmm. even when it's the C-suite, we've heard about, I'll call them brilliant jerks because it's a podcast, but those, (laughs) those employees who may be highly productive or they have some other value within the organization, but they don't demonstrate the values and behaviors you're looking for. If that's a C-suite member, that's a huge problem. And the CEO should not be afraid to, to take action about that. And really leaders need to engage with employees frequently and use that time to reinforce values. Talk to people about how their performance is, talk to people about the values of the company and emphasize cultural initiatives related to those values, whether it's benefits offering, committees, recognition programs, et cetera. On that point, something that we've seen is is some companies actually creating and enforcing value-based performance management where you actually get assessed based on your behaviors that demonstrate those values. We've, We've seen that as a mechanism that tries to cascade the values and the behaviors throughout the organization. A hundred percent. I I love it when companies measure what you do as well as how you do it. That how piece can be difficult to get to, but it's probably even more important than what people are doing. Yeah, absolutely. So I have one last fun question for you. In the spirit of supporting local and small businesses, what is your favorite local business in Massachusetts? Oh, that's a good one. It would be Nico's Restaurant in West Bridgewater. I discovered it when I was living in West Bridgewater, Massachusetts, several years ago, and they just make you feel like family. And Mm -hmm. it is such a fun atmosphere. And it's one of the things about the pandemic that just is such a heartbreaker for me is missing out on seeing, you don't realize how many touch points you have with people yeah. that you really miss. Yeah. Who knew that I would really miss talking to the bartender, the waitress, the hostess and the restaurants, or, you know, it's just seeing different people in my day-to-day life that you just, because you're not going out, you don't see as much, right? So right. a big shout out to them. They just make you feel like family. I love them. Hopefully next time when I'm in Massachusetts, I'll have a chance to visit them. Yes, that would be great. Let me know. I'll meet you there. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Vandy. Where can the audience find you and your thought leadership? So I am on LinkedIn and I, I will admit that I'm, a little bit behind the time. So that's the only one I'm, I'm on. I'm not on Twitter or anything like that. So you can find me on LinkedIn, linkedin.com um, slash V Densmore. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time again. I look forward to reconnecting soon. Everyone, thank you for listening to working with people by PaveStep. Feel free to check out other episodes on pavestep.com slash podcast. Thank you, Vandy. Thank you.